Is there a spirit in the room? Is there a spirit in the room? Andy, guess what? What? Happy birthday to me. Uh, <laughs> happy birthday to me. It's not your birthday. Actually, actually. I mean, it is in a couple days. Yeah, but today is actually my birthday. <sighs> I mean, it's not, though. I mean, it, it is when the person who's listening to this is listening to this, granted. If they listen uh, if, to it, when it comes out. Yes, and not and wait on it. If you waited on listening to this episode, congratulations, you ruined Philip's birthday. Yeah. But if you waited three days to listen to this, congratulations, it's officially Andy's birthday. Oh, that's so sweet. And yeah. you got you thought you'd give me a present by listening to it on my birthday. You ruined my birthday gave Andy a present on his birthday. I suddenly don't feel so bad about it now. <laughs> if you waited to listen to this three days exactly. But yeah, well, as we're recording this, this is not your birthday, so stop. <laughs> Just stop. Oh, I can't celebrate myself? No, don't be one of those, like, birthday week people. Oh, no, you I'm You can't not. be that person. No, gross. Yeah. No, I'm barely a birthday day person. <laughs> but on my birthday, I just, I need to acknowledge it's my birthday. So, since we're releasing this on my birthday, happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to you, Philip. Thank you, Andy. I needed to Congrats. Thank you. Yeah, so happy birthday Thank to you. you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Philip. Thank you. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. I, I feel weird saying this because it's not actually your birthday. I know, but I will listen to it again on my birthday. Okay, that'd be feel great. Really, really happy. Anyway. Anyway. Hi. Hi. You're listening to Look Good for the Birthday Boys, <laughs> a horror gossip podcast. I'm Andy. And I'm Philip. We call it Look Good for the Birthday Boys this time because. It's Philip and I have this birthday in the same week. Yeah. You should, and it's this week. And it's this week. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening to it the day we release this, then it's literally Philip's birthday right now. Yeah. And for my birthday, I would love it if you would rate and review us yeah. wherever you're listening to this podcast. Yeah. And then go ahead and wait three days till the 28th of July, and then it's my birthday, and rate and review us again. Yeah. And then text us and let us know you did yeah. that so we say can hap- feel warm inside. Say happy birthday in the review. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we know you're listening. That's how we know you're listening. So we're doing birthday movies, birthday horror. Specifically birthday horror with the word birthday in the title. Scary birthdays. Scary birthdays. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, crappy birthdays more like, not happy birthdays. Yeah, they're not very happy. They're not good birthdays to have. Before we get into the movies, though, I have a question for you. What? What is your horror birthday wish this year, Andy? Oh, this year? Yeah. Mm, Let me think about it and then blow out the candle. (sighs) And okay, we'll see if it comes true. Okay, what is it? I can't tell you. No, but you have. It won't the, come true. But, uh, it's I mean, not going to come true anyway, so you <laughs> might as well tell us. It's not going to come true anyway. <laughs> uh, for Halloween ends to be actually good. Okay, I figured that'd be yours, yeah. Like, that would be a really great birthday. I know it's not going to be. Mm-hmm. I, I have no illusions about this, but, it, you know, it's a nice, it'd be a nice birthday surprise. 
your birthday wishes for Halloween ends to be actually good. Yeah, that's my birthday wish. Like, of course, I have a lot of other things I want. Like, I want someone to put out Body Count on Blu-ray with uh, a CD soundtrack mm-hmm. with it. I want a Del Tenny box set. I want lots of things. Mm-hmm. I would love for lots. There's lots of horror things I'd love to come true. But, you know, hey, I don't want to be greedy because we are getting the WNUF sequel mm-hmm. this year. Excited which is, that. I consider that a, a birthday present. I'm going to go ahead and say that that's for just, me. Just take it. It's yours. Yeah, it's mine. <laughs> and I would love for a lot of things. Oh, Sweet Home. Kiyoshi Kurosawa's Sweet Home. If someone put that on Blu-ray, oh, birthday miracle. Mm-hmm. But I, I think, you know, birthday wish should be like, a, you know, aim for the... Aim for the moon, at least you'll land among the stars kind yeah, of wish. of course. Like a, just a pie-in-the-sky miracle wish, you know, a Hail Mary. And I can't imagine Halloween ends actually being good. But I also can't imagine anything that would mean more to me right now than Halloween ends being actually good. I mean, actually... <laughs> There are a lot of things that would mean more to me. Uh, this this slide into fascism not happening, for uh, okay, example. Okay, but we're focusing on but horror, horror, horror movies. movie wise. <laughs> I don't think there's a thing that would mean as much to me as as me going into Halloween ends and being like, "Holy shit! Somehow, somehow, against all odds, they did it, and I thoroughly enjoyed this, and I look forward to watching it again. And holy shit, I like it. Like." I don't even want to love it. Just to like it would be enough. Mm-hmm. But, well, that's my birthday wish. What about you? What is your horror birthday wish for this, the year of our Lord, 2022? Uh, let's see. Okay, so I think that my birthday wish will be that Evil Dead Rise is a low-key remake of Demons 2 <laughs> and that it is takes what was best about the Evil Dead franchise and weds it with Italian horror. That'd be pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, that's what I want. And, you know, honestly, in all fairness, a lot of the Evil Dead franchise has very Italian horror elements to it. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But I would just love it to be even weirder and not in the way that, like... I, I really did appreciate most of Ash versus Evil Dead. Yeah. But I felt like when it got weird, it got weird a little too far in the slapstick area, you know, in in this and it kind of lost yeah. it, you know. For example, uh-huh. you know, like the whole uh what was it like oh, basically the rectum coming after Ash and oh. the morgue that one time. <laughs> yeah. Like that's hilarious and I'm I'm yeah. I'm appreciative and glad for that scene. But it's like you show me that this is what you're capable of. I want weirdness in other directions too. Yeah. I want unsettling weirdness. I want Italian weirdness. Yeah. That's what you want. Yeah. Okay. That'd be great. Okay. So let's get into these movies. Let's talk about our birthday movies. So we are traveling back to nineteen eighty one. The nineteen eighty one birthday horror. 19, okay, I was a year old. I was not born. You were not born I wasn't yet. even conceived. You were getting there. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> I think 1981 is one of the best years for horror films. I feel like that's not the first time you've said that Period. on this podcast. It's a good year. It was a good year for horror movies. Mm-hmm. And these three movies, I think, are examples of that. Yeah. I like them all. We should say what they are, right? Yeah, okay, so the three <laughs> movies are... Bloody Birthday. Yeah. Happy Birthday to Me. Yeah. And Allison's Birthday. Hell yeah. 
Okay, so do you want to summarize the movies first, or do you want to fuck Mary kill him first? Let's fuck. I want to fuck Mary kill. This is the, no. Let's summarize him first. Okay. But I, I'm glad we're doing the fuck Mary kill because we've been doing triple features so often, and we've never just done a fuck Mary kill the movies before. Right. And I feel like we should. Hey, let's get a fuck Mary kill uh, Jaws sequels, real quick. Okay. Let's let's uh, retroactively apply this. Oof, ooh. Um. I fuck Jaws 2, I marry Jaws 3, I kill Jaws 4. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. What What would you say? I kill Jaws... Oh, God. There's no right kill. No, there isn't. Is it hurt? It's, this kill's gonna hurt. Yeah. I think I'm marrying Jaws the Revenge. No, that's ridiculous. That's silly. I'm not... I, I'm just doing what you did. Fuck Jaws 2, marry Jaws 3, kill Jaws the Revenge. Mm-hmm. It, it hurts to kill Jaws the Revenge, because I do really love Jaws the Revenge. And if we're carrying this forward, I feel like the not shark week oh, is not, obvious. Yeah. Orca, piranha, barracuda, fuck, marry, kill. I'm fucking orca, marrying barracuda. I'm fucking orca, marrying piranha, killing barracuda. Exactly. There's yeah. no other answer. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> no, I fuck barracuda, marry piranha, kill orca. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I guess there is another answer. Look, I have a type. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's movies that are saying that the government is wrong and also there's killer fish. <laughs> okay, so let's start chronologically with Bloody Birthday. Wait, chronologically? Yeah. I mean, they're all released in the same year. Yeah, but technically their release dates. Bloody Birthday was April 28th. Mm. Happy Birthday to Me was May 15th. And Allison's birthday Ooh. was December 26th Al- in Australia. Allison's birthday took the long... It was a Christmas movie? Yep. Oh, wow. Allison's birthday is a Christmas Crazy. movie. Crazy. All right. So, Bloody Birthday. Okay. It's a killer kid movie. Yep. But it's a killer kid movie that most of the time acts like a slasher movie and kind of stretches into Youth Gone Wild movie territory, which makes a lot of sense because this was the heyday for all of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is... No offense to The Bad Seed. The Bad Seed is probably the best killer kid movie. And no offense to the last five minutes of Beware Children at Play. <laughs> uh-huh. I think Bloody Birthday is my favorite killer kid movie. And I would have said the Village of the Damned 90s remake. Stop sure. it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> the original Village of the Damned is amazing, and yeah. I do love it. But it's a killer kid movie. It's uh, directed by Ed Hunt. It concerns... Uh, three kids, Stephen, Debbie, and Curtis, Curtis, who were all born on the same day during a solar eclipse. Mm-hmm. June 9th, 1970. Yep. Because they were born on a solar eclipse, they don't have consciences? No, no, no. More specifically, because we have a character named Joyce who's really oh, into yeah. astrology. <laughs> because they were born on a solar eclipse in which both the sun and the moon were blocking Saturn, they are missing emotions from their personality. Yeah. And empathy. Yeah. So, so they kill people. So they kill people. They're <laughs> kids that kill people. Yep. And wow, boy, what do you say about Bloody Birthday? We have these four families, essentially. We're focused on the Russells, Joyce and her little brother, Timmy, mm-hmm. who are kind of external to this. But Timmy is in these three kids' grade. And yeah. The three kids are about to turn 10. Yeah. And they start killing people including attempting multiple times to kill Joyce and Timmy. Mm-hmm. And the two of them are essentially just trying to stay alive. Yeah. Well, th- Joyce is like trying to navigate her life. You know, she's like a teen girl 
trying to figure things out for herself. She's about to graduate high school. She's trying to decide if she wants to go to college or not. She's trying to decide how she feels about this boy she's dating. Babysitting her little brother. Who's who's a delinquent, who's a troublemaker. Yeah. Always. She, she doesn't believe a thing he's saying. Yep. And which is problematic when there are three killer kids around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. The People start dying. Yeah. And the whole town starts to get really concerned about, oh no, there's a psycho on the loose killing people. And the sheriff dies. Joyce and Timmy start suspecting these kids, but nobody believes them. And, well, they don't even suspect all the kids. This is the no. thing. They suspect Curtis and Steven. Little Debbie, little Debbie Brody. Master manipulator, Debbie. Little, little Rhoda Penmark herself, Debbie Brody. Nobody suspects her ever. No. And when she happens to be at the scene, she is an expert at pinning the blame on, you know, Stephen Curtis. Mm -hmm. So eventually there's this climax where the three of them trap Joyce and Timmy inside Debbie's house. Yeah. When they're supposed to be babysitting. And Joyce and Timmy fight back and manage to subdue Steve and Curtis. And Debbie gets away, convinces her mom that, that Joyce was trying to frame her for what Steve yeah. and Curtis were doing. Yeah. So even when it's revealed in the end to the rest of the townspeople that Stephen and Curtis are killer kids. Yep. So they get arrested. They get, yeah. <laughs> they get arrested. It's like the end of Over the Edge where these kids are being let out, except in this case, these kids totally should be removed from society in some capacity. And Debbie and her mom, Mrs. Brody, are on the lam with yep. the changed name. And Debbie has, has killed again. Yes, Debbie has become Beth Simpson, and she drops a a fucking semi on the driver's (laughs) head, and that's how the movie ends. So, okay, we probably should have said spoilers, where if you haven't seen these movies, you should just watch them. Yeah. We we recommend all three. Yes, and Bloody Birthday is available on... Tubi. Tubi. Allison's Birthday is on Shudder, and probably Tubi as well. Tubi as well, yeah. And Happy Birthday to Me is on Crackle? Yes. Okay. Okay, speaking of Happy Birthday to Me, uh, concerns a group called... The Top Ten. The Top Ten. The Top Ten. The Top Ten... At Crawford Academy. I I never understood. Are these like the Top Ten academically achieving students, or just the Top Ten most popular? It's Or the Top Ten richest, maybe. Yeah. It's never really... It's never explained. Okay. Because also, here's the other thing. They weren't always the top 10. Right. Like, a few year, four years before, they were just, they were just six rich kids that hung out together. Mm-hmm. And now there's four more of them, so now they're the top 10, I guess. It's never explained. It's not really a clever group name. No. So they're all at Crawford Academy, which, yeah. is that a boarding school, college? I think it's a college. High school? I don't... <laughs> I don't know if it's a yeah, high school. It's unclear. Or a college or a pre- it's a prep school. I think it's just a prep school. Okay. Maybe it's a high school. Which is weird because all these kids are drinking and driving. And Here's the other thing. They never say how old Virginia's turning. That's true. Right? So we never really know how old she is. We don't know what age group they're in. Because I don't believe they ever say how old she is. But Happy Birthday to Me is a by the numbers. Well, not really. But it's a slasher movie. <laughs> yes. Concerning Virginia Wainwright who has some previous trauma. Yeah. Her mother basic her mother died in a car accident with her in it. Okay, so basically she's kind of newer to this group because she was in a coma for a while and getting brain surgery, spoiler. Yeah. So this group 
They all hang out together. They get drunk one night. They try to do this like chicken game. Well, they the... play a game they call the game. The they game. don't even have a clever name no. for it. It's just well, I mean, the if they game. call themselves the top ten, of course yeah. they're going to. I mean, call these the kids are not very imaginative. No. And they, yeah, it's they trying to jump a drawbridge. Yep. And and who is going to chicken out? So the car that Virginia's in, or Ginny, as they sometimes call her. Barely makes it is the last car to go, and it causes Jenny to kind of have some flashbacks. Yeah, she freaks out. She runs to the graveyard to visit her mom's grave. Mm-hmm. Long story short, we start to see that she's connected to this psychiatrist, David, David. <laughs> who's David. trying to help her unlock repressed memories yeah. from this incident. Glenn Ford. Yep, who was apparently drunk the whole time that he was. Oh his yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, her friends start getting picked off one by one. It starts with, before we even meet the rest of the kids, Bernadette O'Hara. Oh, God, Bernadette. 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 There's a reason there's a song about you. She's the best. Bernadette O'Hara is the best, and it's a shame we don't get more of her. She's one of those classic slasher characters. Like Sometimes a slasher movie, especially in this era before they really knew what they were doing when they were making them, even though they made like a fucking million of them in this one year. Right. Uh, and this was part of the Canadian tax shelter movies too, so it's like extra, whatever. She's one of those characters that like, you're like, ah, no, kill these other people. We need more of her. We need more of her. She's so great. The first thing she said, what is it, Miss Patterson with her dog, Winston? And she's like, come along, Winston, give mommy head. Yeah, as yeah. like Miss Patterson is walking away with Winston. That's, yeah. what, that's what she calls back to her. Yeah. Come along, Winston, give mommy head. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And this girl can scream. Mm-hmm. That whole, she's got this extended kill scene with like a fake out and a, and a, it's weird. It's like there's like two misdirects in it at least. Right. And she's screaming the whole time. She's so great. And then a really good, you know, I love them. Throat slash. Throat slash gag. Good job. So I don't want to hit up every kill in this movie one by one. There's a lot of them, and they're great. Well, okay, there's eight of them, and they're great. Yeah, well, the advertising for the movie was six of the most bizarre murders you'll ever see, or you've ever seen, or something. And it's like, well, there's more than six murders, but not all of them are the most bizarre. So So maybe maybe they're just counting the six most bizarre. Yeah. So a bunch of these ten get murdered one by one. You find out that the reason that... Ginny's mom got in the car crash was because she was drunk and Ginny was having a birthday party and nobody came. None of the, at the time, six of the 10. Yeah. Uh, so she goes to confront at one of their houses, Anne's house, mm-hmm. Anne's family's house, and is refused entry and is so angry and drunk on the way home that she tries to jump the bridge and that's what causes the accident. Flash forward, past all these murders. Yeah. I'm just going to jump right to the end. Yeah, we don't, yeah, I don't want to do it. It's complicated. There's just, this movie has so many red herrings and so many twists and turns and so much just off the wall, bizarre nonsense in it. And it has one of the most notorious of the twist endings mm-hmm. in the slasher movies. Like it's up there with April Fool's Day yeah. as far as just like what? Yeah. Yeah. Very what? Yeah. Question mark exclamation. Point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it turns out that the killer, who you think up for the final third of the movie is Ginny, because you literally see Ginny kill people, is actually Anne. It's actually Anne. Wearing a Ginny mask, like Mission Impossible style Ginny mask that she like tears off of her. And she's not just 
Jenny's friend Anne. They're half sisters. Mm-hmm. So Jenny's mom was having an affair with Anne's father, and they hushed it up. You know, they paid off Jenny's mom, which is why Jenny's mom was so angry that night. Why was Anne so pissed? Because Jenny's mom was always trying to so mess with their family. Jenny's mom, it's because Jenny's mom wouldn't let it go. Yeah. And it drove Anne's mom to leave her father. It's scream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's scream. And there's even scream three. Like this is the movie that probably inspired most of the twists and turns that we would see in like the teen slashers of the of the nineties and early aughts. But mm-hmm. like, so yeah, it's Anne's mom left Anne's father because Anne's father was also Ginny's father, right? That's the idea is that Ginny's dad is Hal is not actually her dad. Yep. So yeah. So Anne hates Ginny and Ginny's family for this and, it doesn't not, make a lot of sense. But not only kills all of their mutual friends and Ginny's dad. Yeah. And the psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist. But then also makes sure that Ginny is framed for it all. Yeah. So it ends with Ginny subduing and then killing Anne, but Anne not caring because <laughs> she wins because you realize the police the are coming. police come in. And literally everything is pinned on Ginny. Mm-hmm. That's a bad birthday. Yeah, that's the worst birthday. That's the worst birthday. Oh, all of my friends are dead. And then also, I'm going to prison for murder. Yep. Would you rather have a birthday that she has as a kid where nobody shows up or a birthday where everybody shows up at their corpses? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I think that the people that don't show up, you then want them to show up as corpses, right? (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, that's what happens. I've had, I have had more than one birthday where I'm not going to say nobody showed up, but like very few people showed up Mm -hmm. and it was very felt. It was very much like an absence that spoke to me. It hurts. It really hurts. I'd rather have corpses at the table. It happened to me as a kid once, and it happened to me as an adult a couple times. And it's like, it somehow felt worse as an adult, I think. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, okay, the time that it happened to me as an adult, I was a, I was a lot angrier about yeah. it. Yeah. It makes you bitter, you know? Like, when you're a kid and they don't show up, you're just, like, sad. As an adult, though, you're like, what the fuck, man? Right. Fuck you guys. I don't know. And now I don't care, but... Yeah, that's why you just stop celebrating birthdays. Yeah. Because everyone will always let you down. Yeah, but, I mean, happy birthday to me is so great because, like, the one thing that I always complain about in slasher movies, if they don't do it right, is, like, making the kids feel like they actually care about each other and their friends. Mm-hmm. This is the exception to that. You don't believe that these people like each other. No. They don't seem like friends. But also that seems like kind of the point. I don't right. know if it's an accident, but like because the ideas are all rich kids, like the movie's constantly referencing how rich, wealthy, important, and shitty all of their parents are. Mm-hmm. So like when these kids, especially the men, all engage in really awful, entitled behavior, you're just like, Oh, you're all just scumbags. And that that part where Ginny at one point, Virginia says, I like my friends, it feels hollow. And then the rest of the movie happens and you're like, oh, yeah, she doesn't actually like her friends. Right. She just never had friends before. Well, in a way, it's sort of the antithesis to Jaws 2, 
where it's like Jaws 2 was these kids that were coming from working class homes that were like the only remaining people of their age in a small, Mm -hmm. you know, fading tourist community. Yeah. You know, so they were all bonded through their mutual their family's struggles and being stuck in this place. Whereas like, this is sort of the opposite where it's like, these are all kids that just are part of a small community where they're incredibly privileged. And so they're all bonded through the fact that they are kind of awful, I guess. Yeah, they're all awful. <laughs> they're all creeps. But that, that, you know, they're at the top. Yeah. So they just like, that's the only reason they're together is because they're at the top. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, your parents are friends. So you're friends. Yeah. And it shows, it shows that they're the top 10 and they know it. And that's why they're together. In every part of their interaction. Okay, moving on to Allison's birthday. We're going from Canada now to Australia. <laughs> yep. Allison Fenley and her friends are having a seance. When she's 16. When she's 16. When she's 16 years and four months old. Yes. They're at a slumber party. Or not even a slumber party. They're just, it's like after school or something because yeah. somebody's parents are going to come home and they're like, we got to hurry up and do the Ouija board thing. Mm-hmm. So it's the three of them, Allison and her yeah. two friends, Chrissy, Chrissy and Maureen. And Maureen. And a spirit comes in and warns Allison not to go home for her 19th birthday. Listen, <laughs> you have to listen to me. And in the process, you hear this name, Myrna. Get out. Before 19th birthday. The spirit reveals itself to be Allison's father. Yep. And then a bookshelf collapses and kills Chrissy, who was being possessed by her father. Her father. Yeah. So then we flash forward to when Allison is... 18 years, 11 months, and 26 days. Yep. She is somewhere in... New South, Southeast New South Wales. <laughs> yeah, she's like in a small town in New South Wales. Yeah, and she's dating a DJ. Pete, who... Pete. God, I love Pete. Mm-hmm, Pete's great. Pete Healy. Pete Dreamboat. Just Total fucking Dreamboat. Dream I'd probably Best say... Best boyfriend in the movies, in the yep. three movies. Like, I was going to say, fuck, Mary kill the boyfriends. But no, it's Fuck, Pete. Mary kill Rudy, Paul, and Pete. And it's, I mean, it's Pete's the Mary, period. Yeah. Pete's the Mary and the fucking kill the other two. <laughs> so... Allison gets a call a few days before her birthday and her aunt, Aunt Jenny, Aunt Jenny kind of strong arms her into coming home by saying that that Uncle Dean, it might be his last birthday. She's like, he's dying. Yeah. (laughs) And so she goes home. To uh, Sydney, to suburban Sydney. Yep. And already immediately, just something feels not right about it. Well, for one, Uncle Dean is like clearly not dying. Yeah. And even (laughs) to the point Aunt Jenny's like, I know he looks fine, but he's not. And it's like, bitch, I need to see some medical records here. And they're just being weirdly controlling. Allison tries to go off with Pete. She goes off with Pete for a beach day. Yeah, they have a little fun beach day. And then they go to Pete's dad's place. And then... And her aunt and uncle don't respond very well to it. And then... Allison invites Pete to her birthday party. And they really don't respond well to that. This is the most worked up you will ever see on Jenny in this movie. She says, Allison, you're being very silly. (laughs) (laughs) About inviting Pete to the birthday. So it it kind of escalates tension with Pete. He feels like something's weird. There's also the grandmother thorn thing. In the middle of the night, uh, one night, an old woman bursts into Allison's room and... Her aunt and uncle the next day are like, oh, that's just your grandmother, Thorn. And she's like, I'm sorry, who? Yeah. Somebody I've never you met never this mentioned. person before in my life. And they're like, yeah, it's cool. She's just not feeling well. So we didn't want to scare you by telling you or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So they increasingly take more and more drastic measures to keep Pete away. Eventually, 
drugging them both and hypnotizing Allison to believe that she tried to break up with Pete and he came to kidnap her. Yeah. So he gets arrested. Yeah. And then his dad bails him out and then he go visits his friend Sally, who is Sally Brown. Sally Brown. Who's who's the best. So great. The best. She's the best. She's like, fuck, she's so cool. Mm. She's like a psychic fashion icon, but she's not psychic. She's an astrologer, though. Yeah. She's an astrologer, occultist, hippie. Well, and she's dabbled. I mean, she's even said that she has like done magical things in the past. But she's more like a, a fortune teller fashion icon yeah. than a psychic fashion icon. I don't know if there's a difference. They're in the same world. She's yeah. a, whatever. She's a nice. She's a psychic fashion icon. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then she's enlisted to help yep. research. So the two of them realize that here is what happened. Myrna is an ancient goddess. A, yeah. A Celtic demonic deity. Who they call the angel of the darkest night. And mistress of the old ones. Mm. And basically, long story short, every 80 years-ish or so, they need to find a new host for Myrna. But Myrna's magical number is 19. Mm -hmm. So they have to find somebody who was born on the 19th day of their Celtic year at the 19th hour of the day and then wait till their 19th birthday. And then they can be possessed in a miniature Stonehenge. Yes. And so they (laughs) scour hospitals around the time that they need. Until they find the exact baby they need. And then they steal the baby. They kill the parents. And then raise the baby until they're 19. Mm -hmm. And then they can perform this ritual. And Myrna can possess this new body. And that's that's what they're doing to (laughs) poor Allison. Poor Allison. Poor Allie. And Pete comes back and tries to save the day. It doesn't go well. well. He fucks it up. He fucks it up. And Myrna possessed Allison. Shoots him. And she's like... Okay, this is me now. And then the real Allison wakes up in the body of Grandmother Thorne, who is 104 years old. So she's not going to be around long, probably. And she sees herself walk into the room, and that's when it all clicks for her. And that's the end of the movie. That's a bad birthday. Yeah. Which is a worse birthday. Being framed for the murder of all of your friends and your dad. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. After reliving the trauma of your mother dying and your brain injury. Or or being having your soul transferred into the body of a 104-year-old woman. Gosh. Gosh. Right? That's a tough would you rather. Yeah. I think, oh, man. Because, you know, if you get into the soul of a 104-year-old woman, you're going to die very soon. And that cult's going to take care of you. That's true. You're probably, gonna, you're probably not going to care that much. Right. You're going to spend a lot of time in bed. Yeah. You're going to watch some TV. And you're going to be drugged most of the time. Yeah. Whereas, like, if you get framed for the murder of all of your friends, you're going to prison for life. And, yeah. And she was young. Yeah. So I think I'd rather be transferred into the body of a 104-year-old Do you woman. think she would eventually, do you think that, like, because this is 1981, do you think that, like, let's say 20 years later, whenever DNA evidence started becoming a lot more of a thing, mm-hmm. she would get cleared? And then eventually they'd be like, oh, actually. I think, I mean... Ginny's future is full of a lot of lawyers, lawyers, <laughs> books, doctors, talk shows. Yeah. It's like going to be a lot of like he said, she said kind of things. Yeah. But like all the she saids are dead. Maybe she gets away with it. I don't think she does. No, you're probably right. I think that. <laughs> but I also don't think she'll ever be fully exonerated. No. I think that she will always be this like sort of mythical figure of, mm-hmm. you know, where people are on either side, like the OJ. 
Yeah. You know, like she might release a book in the early 2000s called If I Did It. Yeah. <laughs> but she's not. Thing is, here's the thing. This is the thing that doesn't work in her favor. She's not already famous. You know, this is like, um, like a, not Casey Anthony. Who's the lady in Italy whose roommate was oh, murdered? I don't fucking remember her name. Whatever. It's like a that thing where it's like she's not. But she is. She's from a rich and powerful family. Yeah. And so she would be a celebrity. Not only that, but. It's not just one kill. Yeah, it's a lot of them. It's eight kills. And they're all, they're almost all kids from rich, wealthy family, important families. This is a sensational story. Yeah. And her entire life, she will be under intense scrutiny. Oh, there's podcasts about it. Oh, for sure. And there, yeah, there'll be plenty of people like in a current era time that are trying to discover the truth about Virginia. God, you know what I want to see? What? Happy birthday to me, legacy sequel. (laughs) <laughs> like Halloween 2018. Yeah. Where it's some podcasters are going to find Virginia. She's being, she's, her case is being reopened because of new DNA evidence or mm-hmm. something. You know? I would love that. Right? Wouldn't that be great? So I think you would, I mean, obviously have a more interesting life if you picked the murder birthday. <laughs> the murder birthday as opposed to the possession yeah, birthday. The old lady birthday. The freaky Friday with the old lady. <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll walk that journey. I'll take the murder birthday. You take the murder birthday. Yeah, I think I changed my mind. I think I'm taking murder birthday. What would you pick? Yeah, I think I'm taking murder birthday too. I don't know. Like, I don't get me wrong. The idea of just being like, yeah, I'm in bed. You guys got you get to bathe me. That's that's there's some kind of appealing about that. But you know, I, you're gonna get that anyway. Right. Eventually. Yeah. So just take the murder birthday. And the other thing I got to think about is that I feel often now that, God, I wish I could just be at the end of my life in bed and having people take care of me. Jesus. But when I was 19, I didn't feel that way. Yeah. Going from 19 to 104 would hurt a lot more than going from my age to Oh, forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. It would just be, you'd just be thinking about how shitty and unfair it is the whole time. Yeah. Because you wouldn't be, you know, you don't have all those years to look back on. Yeah. And Pete is dead mm-hmm. and that sucks all right anyway yeah so allison's birthday is like it's a full horror obviously but it's got like that satanic panic rosemary's baby thing going on too there's a lot of hereditary mm-hmm. yeah in there as well or i should say there's a lot of it in hereditary yeah i think that ari aster in general just pulls from a lot of classic folk horror yeah okay so now that we've summarized these films fuck mary kill Bloody birthday, happy birthday to me, Allison's birthday. Well, okay. This is tough. Uh This is very tough. Because they're all great. Because they're all great. I think, though, (sighs) I think I'm fucking happy birthday to me. Okay. I think I'm marrying bloody birthday. And I think I'm killing Allison's birthday. Really? And that's rough because I really do love Allison's birthday. What What about you? See, I think I don't want to kill Allison's birthday. I know you don't want to. We have to kill one of them. But you got to kill one of them. So I think I have to kill Allison's birthday. Oh, okay. And then I think I'll marry happy birthday to uh, me and fuck bloody birthday. That's fair. Yeah. There's just so much in bloody birthday that just really works and is really different than what you normally see. Mm-hmm. And Allison's birthday kind of has some of that going on too, but it just doesn't. I can't. Happy birthday to me is one of those ones where it's like whenever I think about it, it's like, oh yeah, it's a lesser slasher. And then I watch it and I'm like, oh no, there's so much weird shit going on in this movie. 
Well, I think that's that's a big thing for me is that with both Bloody Birthday and Happy Birthday to me, there's so much shit going on and so much weird shit going on. Whereas Allison's Birthday is, is a lot more straightforward mm-hmm. of a film. It's a smaller film. It's quieter. Yeah, it's a know? lot quieter. Well, there's only only two people die in yeah. the whole movie. There are only uh, really a handful of important characters by comparison. You know, Blood, Bloody Birthday's got a lot more. Happy Birthday to me has a lot more. Happy Birthday to me is also, this is another reason it's a fuck for me, because aesthetically, it's very different from other slashers of this of this cycle. Like, there's a lot more money on that screen. Like, it's a lot more polished. It has a lot more flourish. It's a lot more, like, production value than slasher movies usually got. Like, it's just a bigger production in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And, and you feel it. And it's kind of wild to watch that. What was my point here? Mm. Allison's birthday is just so much... It is very small. Yeah. Having said that, I think I like the characters a lot more in Allison's birthday than all I do in any other than I in the other movies. Agreed. And I and literally all of them. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, they're all so great. They're all really interesting. Okay, so what would you say are some of the similarities between these films? Well, it's funny, they all like there's like a Venn diagram, right? There's like parts where like two of them will overlap. Yeah. But very few parts were all three of them. But although all three of them have like a whole thing about adults that can't be trusted. All three movies are, you know, they're about young people. Mm-hmm. And there's like a generation gap issue where like there's old people that are either nefariously motivated or are enabling nefarious things in some way. Or absent. Or absent. Yeah. Or j- j- yeah, just not there. Mm-hmm. And or don't believe. In fact, all three films have absent parents. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Allison's birthday, her both of her parents are dead. dead. Bloody birthday, they're on a trip. And same with Happy Birthday to Me. One parent is dead, and the other's on a trip. Yeah, and in Bloody Birthday too, you have like Joyce and Timmy's parents are gone, mm-hmm. but also like we never meet Stephen's parents. I don't think. And Curtis is being raised by his grandfather. Like, I don't think his his direct biological parents are there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's explained in some way. Yeah, I was trying to figure that out. Yeah. And then in, in Allison's birthday as well, Peter's dad seems like, you know, their relationship is very... Chummy. It's yeah. very much like, oh, we're, we're friends. But not parental. But, but it's not very parental. Yeah. yeah. There's even a thing about like when Allison's over at his dad's place with him. She's like, if your dad walks in, he's like, yeah, he's pretty open-minded. It almost reminds me of a very less on the nose JD and his dad. I was from literally, Heathers. I was literally just thinking that. Oh, it's like a fun version of Christian Slater and his dad and Heather's. Like, hey, father. Yeah. Hey, your son. Yeah. It's yeah, they have this banter where they're like making jokes back and forth and stuff, but it doesn't, yeah, like it doesn't feel weird. Mm-hmm. Like, and his dad bails him out of jail and is just like, all right, don't get in trouble and then yeah. leaves. Yeah, there's no parenting involved in that. No, yeah. So there's a lot of like, the parenting situation is is weird. Also though, the the idea of parental lineage and parentage in general is like called into question in all in all three of them. True. You know, in Happy Birthday to Me, Ginny finds out her dad's not her dad. In Bloody Birthday, well, it's just that they were all born at the same time. There's not really, I guess, a parental question. No. But but then Allison's birthday, it's like, oh, her aunt and her family are not actually related to her. They're just a cult that yeah. kidnapped her. Now, having said that, all three movies have 
weird doctors. <laughs> they do all have weird doctors, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, happy birthday to me has doctor who did the pretty explicit graphic brain surgery that we see in the movie. And David, the psychiatrist, who seems weird. I don't know. He's weird. He kind of rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. I don't know why. David is... He's got some boundary issues. Mm -hmm. And I don't really think his techniques are very peer-reviewed. No. You know? <laughs> it seems pretty experimental. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, and the surgery she got was is explicitly experimental. Yes. Then Bloody Birthday has just the doctor played by Jose Ferrer, who's just the doctor that delivered all the kids, mm -hmm. but who's also at the birthday party and like, I don't know, he seems like a weird figure in the town. Yeah. And then Dr. Lyle in Allison's birthday, who is the doctor that took her from the hospital, but is also not a doctor. Yeah, that seemed unclear. It's Or maybe he's not any longer a doctor. Yeah. Or maybe he wasn't even the doctor that took her from the hospital. Yeah. There's that implication there because he says somebody would have to be on the inside and then it cuts to Dr. Lyle. But that doesn't mean that he's the one but that But Pete did it. does say when he's being confronted by the tuxedo guys in the cemetery. The groomsman gang? Yeah, the groomsman gang. He does say Lyle grabbed the wrong baby. Oh, and that is like, true. Yeah. Oh, shit. So like... He, what a he, great ruse. What a great little did, thing he did. That is so great. And that whole scene, when he grabs the pitchfork and pole vaults over the cemetery okay. fence with the pitchfork, Peter's the best. Mm -hmm. He's just the best. Ah, he's so great. He's a bad DJ, though. He never says the name of that song that he plays. <laughs> so yeah, there's Weird Doctors. All three movies have a cemetery that features prominently. Yeah. Uh, they all have a unstable mother figure mm-hmm one who even checks herself in to, <laughs> yeah to the hospital yeah all all and with evil prevailing in some way mm-hmm and in a pretty bleak or by implication disturbing way yeah none of them are happy no no two of them have a final girl that's just outright doomed in the end yeah two of them have astrology as a plot point all three of them have like a some kind of a car chase scenario, mm -hmm. which I love. Only one of them has a motorcycle race, though. Only one of them has Miss Julie Brown making out with the fucking American ninja Michael Dudikoff. But let's just clarify, Miss Julie Brown, not of the downtown Not variety. downtown Julie Brown, the other Julie yeah. Brown that was on MTV in the 80s. Yes. Uptown Julie Brown. Uptown. <laughs> That's kind of disrespectful to downtown Julie Brown. <laughs> you want to call her suburban Julie Brown? Rural Julie, Rural Julie Brown. Julie Brown. <laughs> All three movies have like a, a little haunting, soft, elegiac melody over the opening credits. Mm -hmm. And in uh, two of them, it's like piano and one, it's like guitar, acoustic guitar. They're all good. The music in all three movies is great. It's great. Yeah. So good. So good. Two of them end with a really weird, creepy song with a female vocalist. Yep. Happy Birthday to Me has the one that... It, that has Happy Birthday to Me. Yeah, Happy Birthday to Me. Sung by Sarita mm -hmm. of Sarita Wright fame of Married to Stevie fucking Wonder and released an album with Billy Preston fame. And then... Uh, Allison's Birthday. Allison's has, Birthday. I don't... I couldn't find the name of the song. It's the Come to Me Gently song. Come to Me Gently. Yeah, which I think it might be Myrna's theme, 
which is listed as being written by the director Ian Coughlin. Okay. But there is so little information about the music in this movie. In fact, IMDb lists the wrong composer for one of the composer credits. Wow. It says Elaine Ullman, who's like a Portuguese songwriter. That's not who it is. It's Alan Oleman, who's another who's like a who's like a pop rock musician. And him and the other composer, Brian King, were in a band together and they composed the score for this movie. But I can find no the music's not available online anywhere, even though it's really fucking good and proggy and interesting. Mm-hmm. And there's all these like needle drops in it too. There's so many like popular music songs that are played in Allison's birthday for like a second. Yeah. And I want to hear the rest of the songs, but I, there's no information on any of them. Mm-hmm. Not even in the credits. It's so frustrating. Like that Stonehenge record that the old man is buying at the record store at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I want to know what the fucking record is. It sounds great. It sounds like fucking proto-metal. Well, there's some good needle drops in Bloody Birthday. Um, you got John G. Jones with Woman. Aren't, aren't they all John John Q. Jones songs? It's Q. I, Is it Q? I thought it was G. Maybe it's G. Yeah, this says Q. Really? Yeah. Okay, the subtitle said G. The subtitle said G. Well, the IMDb says Q, but hey, they can both be wrong. John Jones, woman. John Jones, woman. But they're all, and then uh, My Darling, Don't You Cry, also by John Jones. Mm-hmm. And that's the song that Miss Julie Brown, Beverly Brody, does a strip tease for herself in her bedroom to. And it's amazing. I love that song. I love that scene. It's so great. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> the music is very, in Bloody Birthday, it's very like Harry Manfredini sounding. Mm-hmm. And... And kind of isn't happy birthday to me as well. Just your typical like early 80s slasher score. Yeah. And it's great. It's great. Yeah. It's really good. So Andy. What? Do you want to talk about the threats in these movies? Yeah. So (laughs) the threats are not a thing that they have in common. At all. (laughs) At all. They're all wildly different. And in one of the movies, you have three different kinds of that threat. Like, in fact, they almost feel like in Bloody Birthday... You have three killer kids. Right. That all have different things going on. Yeah. And their own thing going on. Not as much Steve. Steven seems like the one that's the least developed. Yeah. But I feel like he's also kind of our... Like, to me, Debbie is your... She's like a child femme fatale. She's yeah. like, she's the Rhoda Penmark. She's the little killer girl. Which yeah, we've sneaky, seen a million times. She is manipulative. Mm-hmm. You know, she's always, like, trying to figure out her next kill and how she's going to get there. Yeah. And she's also very much interested in manipulating people. Yes. And it's not so much about the subterfuge. Like, it's not, like, with Curtis manipulating people, you know that he's doing it because he knows he has to. Right. With Debbie, it's like, that's part of it for her. Mm-hmm. Is that that's what the thrill is for her. And sometimes just that. And just, yeah, exactly. And she she scrapbooks the kills, yeah, which I think is great. She's your scrapbooker. She's the she she's collecting trophies, kind of. And Curtis is more of of the brainy one. He's too. he's like the fucking Zodiac killer. Yeah, like he. This is the thing is that he's not your standard killer kid. He's like the template for like grown up actual real world serial killers. He has like the mind of an engineer. He's like an electrical expert. But he's also like the Zodiac killer. Like yeah. he's like shooting people with a gun. He's an incel. 
<laughs> like when he kills that couple in the van, it's very that's very Zodiac killer. He's a creep. He's a little creep. It's going to grow up creep. to be a serial killer. So I might say that Steve is our Jason Voorhees. Michael Myers. Michael Myers. Yeah. Curtis is our Freddy. And Debbie is our pinhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if they were, yeah, if they were those templates. Yeah. Because Steven even is like the scene towards the end where he's picking a weapon, he has a butcher's knife. Right. He also doesn't have seem to have much of a personality. He's kind of like He's the muscle. Yeah. But he the scene in the junkyard with the car, he has a ghost costume on. Mm-hmm. He has like a weird ghost hood on covering his face. So it's like, yeah, he's the Michael Myers. Yeah. So like even in that in that movie you have these threats that are all different. But they they are mostly together. They are yeah. at least always in communication and cooperation yeah. with each other. Yeah, they're operating together. Yeah. And they even make a comment about that when Debbie chooses to kill her sister without them there. I mean, it's a side comment, but it's like, oh, you you, do, you didn't wait for us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. so there's this idea that they are supposed to be a team. Yeah. This when the way she kills her sister is oh, it's so great. It's like tapping on the, tapping on the the peephole. Yeah, and then you have "Happy Birthday to Me," which is a uh, standard slasher. Yeah, you just it's Anne. It's it's Anne, Anne dressing as Jenny. Yeah, and there's but you don't know it's her, and there's a whodunit element to it, and a weird psychological element to it that turns out to be a red herring. And but the kills, the kills are, are so all very creative and yeah. brutal yeah you know yeah. even even when they're not like such as uh well there's a few that are just people getting stabbed or hit in the head with a fireplace poker. right but there's usually something around that like some yeah. psychological terror yeah like bernadette where there's like multiple bait and switches you know yeah leading her up to like oh she ran into somebody she thought she trusted throat slash yeah you know so even when it's a basic kill it's like built around some fucked up shit yeah well and then the you know you get your motorcycle yeah, motorcycle Garfin face. The motorcycle, <laughs> the wheel. Yeah, you get your skewer through the back of the mouth. Shish That's kebab. the most famous one. Yeah, but even when the when da- David gets killed, it's a it's a fireplace poker, right? He gets beaten. David gets with... yeah, fireplace. There's poker. just fucking blood everywhere. There's so much blood, and that alone is interesting. Like just the like Jesus Christ, how did that room get that bloody? I, I mean, know. there's a lot of blood inside a body. Yeah. Yeah. And head wounds bleed pretty profusely, so. The one that got me the most. What? Greg's death with oh the barbell God. where he's like shaking and yeah. it's above his neck. And then the and drops he's like begging, a weight. begging, please bring it back, <laughs> bring it back. And then, oh man, that bitch drops a weight on his fucking junk. <laughs> and he instantly <laughs> drops the barbell on his neck, just like fucking killing him instantly. Yeah. Oh, that hurts. Yeah. Oh, I feel every part of that. Okay. When it comes to Allison's birthday, the threat of it, before I can really talk about it, there are a lot of questions that I need answered that the movie doesn't really give you. And the biggest one is, what is Myrna doing for those 80 years between when she possesses one body yeah. and when she needs to find the next one? Yeah, they're never clear about That's the thing is it's kind of like, well, if we're just giving a demon a body for a while... And all she's doing is existing. Yeah, I don't think that's it, though. I think that she's like out there doing demon shit. But the movie doesn't really imply it doesn't, anything. It doesn't cover that. And yeah. I want to point out something about the cult of Myrna. Yeah. They are the most passive cult that I have seen in, in horror movies. One of the most passive cults. They give Peter every chance to get out. They really, even at the end, 
Well, yeah, because they're not trying to draw attention to themselves. Yeah, but they've already framed him for kidnapping. It'd be really easy just to kill him. They could have done it that night with Allison hypnotized. And they even say multiple times, like, we're going to give him another chance. This yeah. is his last chance. You know, well, we've tried everything. Like, they're trying not to kill him. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. I think I like that about it. Yeah. That, that like, it's just like, they're like, yeah, we don't, we're not like murderers. That's but, what I mean. Is like, yeah, yeah they, they see themselves as good people who are just having to do this one thing. Yeah. And they even have that conversation between Aunt Jenny and Dr. Lyle where Aunt Jenny's like, you know, I've really grown fond of her. And he's like, yeah, but this is your job. And she's like, I know, I know. Like, I mean, that's still fucking shitty, though. Well, it's yeah, still I mean, evil. <laughs> okay, it's evil. I'm just yeah. saying that as far as evil goes, it's yeah. on the lighter side. And all of these people t- exhibit signs of having some level of conscience. And I bring that up only because so whatever Myrna's doing for those 80 years can't be just total demon evil shit. I mean, it to, can. But to attract this kind of cult. Yeah, I don't think that means necessarily that they that she can't be doing evil shit. I think that maybe, you know, that's the thing, is that Myrna's the really evil one. So they just are like, well, we can't be that evil. Because we gotta, we can't, you know, we can't draw attention to the cult. We can't be exposed. We've got to keep it on the down low. And, if, you know, any drug kingpin will tell you that, you know, bodies start piling up. That's a te- that's police attention you're going to get there, you know? Yeah, see, I disagree. I don't think Myrna's that vicious. I don't think she's doing truly evil shit. I don't, I don't think this is like a three mothers type of thing because like the cult just doesn't seem okay with that enough. I think it's more of like a probably just hedonistic is how I see that. You know, like they're, they're obviously giving them long lives. It's implied yeah. that they have unnaturally long lives and good health and maybe... Uh, decent living and you know maybe they're just letting myrna go off and like you know have orgies and shit yeah that's i mean like the thing is that the idea was that they were run out of england right by the witch hunts you know so yeah i believe that but i here's the thing about it is that that's what makes them an interesting threat to me that's what makes the whole movie kind of compelling is that like they feel like they're real people you know even when they're being shitty to Peter, even when Uncle Dean's telling Peter to stop coming around. Mm-hmm. And even when it's this idea of like, well, we don't, what we want to do isn't that bad, but we're willing to do these very bad things to get that. So they're the Democrats of cults. Yeah, exactly. Which means that, which is what makes them so scary. Yeah. yeah no, and I'm not saying, yeah. I, I think they're scary and I think they're fascinating. I'm just saying that like, I love how nuanced they are yeah, as a uh, cult. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, they, they don't just constantly do bad shit. Yeah. You know, yeah. you actually like Aunt Jenny and Uncle Dean. I, I really don't. <laughs> I really don't like them. Really? Yeah. I kind of like them. I mean, I like them as characters, but like if they were in my life, I'd be like, no, nah, they're kind of dicks. <laughs> I like I'll tell you I like Uncle Dean's shirt I like his tops a lot I want to wear stuff like that but yeah I mean like they're they're like it's that weird satanic panic thing where it's like you know there's that 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 like oh I see it's next door it's right next door you know they're the couple in Rosemary's Baby mm-hmm. the the cast of it's it's the same kind of thing they're very interesting and the cult's very interesting mm-hmm. like they show up to the cemetery to get Pete in tuxedos, and they're going to kill him with a pitchfork, which is weird. Yep. And that's the only weapon they have, Yeah, is the pitchfork. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about these parties? I mean, well, you know, obviously the, the party of corpses is a bummer, and the Allison's birthday party is a bummer. But it's only a bummer for Allison and Pete. 
It's actually a great time for everybody else there. Is it? I don't know. I feel like it's sort of like a work thing. It probably feels like a work party. But they've been waiting 80 years for this. They're probably really excited. Yeah, but also like Myrna's the the boss. It's almost like, oh, I can't cut too loose. You know, is it? I think it's one of those things where they're like, I got to wear a fucking tuxedo for this, you know? Yeah. I got to wear formal wear for this shit. It's Well, that's the thing about parties is that like it's different for depending on the guest, right? Yeah. So Allison's birthday is great for Myrna. It's the biggest fucking party of the last 80 years. Yeah, yeah. You know, just like Bloody Birthday, that party is not so fun for Joyce, you know, but it seems like a good time for the three kids. Yeah, the three kids in Bloody Birthday are having a great time. Mm-hmm. Opening presents, plotting Joyce's downfall, yeah. all this shit. Having cake. Having cake. There's lots of cake acting, having. Acting like there's so much that, cake. That They did not need that much cake. There were not know. that many people. I don't know. You, you, the cake just keeps coming. They keep putting more cakes out there. And at one point, the woman's, I need another cake. There's even like a point where the adults are talking and they have this like, oh, it's just nice to have a thing to go to so you forget about what's going on right now. Like they, they act as like a commu- as a community. We've been rocked by these murders mm-hmm. and the death of our sheriff. And all of this stuff that's going on. Like, you feel like they're like, oh, God, it's just nice to have something that's that we can celebrate, you know? Which is a bleak thing. Yeah. It's bleak, especially considering that it's like, you know, it's just a kid birthday party. It's a normie fucking birthday party, which is never that fun. Right. You know? But I also want to point out that is not the first time that that sentiment is expressed in this movie. And it's when Beverly brings Willard home. And they're getting it on, and she says, "I just want to feel. Yeah, I, I just, I just, just want to forget. I just want to forget. Yeah. You know, when about like fucking. Yeah, you know. So there is this idea of like using simple things like yeah. that, simple pleasures, to move beyond tragedy. Yeah, which I find really interesting. No, it's it's great. And that Willard is that's the American Ninja Michael Dudikoff, <laughs> which I fucking think is so great. But that's also like Beverly is a really interesting character. She's for one, she's a cream queen. Of course, yes. And in that moment, it's like she's, you know, her dad's dead. Uh, Her mom's losing it. Her sister's a creep. And she knows her sister's a creep. Yeah. That's why she calls her little angel face sarcastically. Yeah. So she's not doing great. Right. And I feel like she, like, the stuff with her and Joyce is all great. Mm -hmm. They all, it all feels very Lori and Annie in Halloween. I mean, even down to the fact that Beverly's dad is the sheriff. Right. It's the same as Annie. But I, I think I bring that up specifically because in a very similar way, you look at the vibe of the party and you have people say things like, oh, it's nice to have something normal. But nobody looks okay. Nobody's having an actual good time except those three no, kids. No, no one's doing well. Yeah. And yeah. just like, you know, she says, I want to forget. She's not forgetting. You know, it's just this, it's this weird vibe at this party you know and beyond just the fact that joyce is constantly on edge and thinking <laughs> yeah. that something's gonna go wrong yeah and then accuses the kid of putting ant poison in the frosting yeah. and starts slapping pieces of cake out of people's hands <laughs> also keep in mind joyce was just nearly murdered in the junkyard by a car and the entire town has like called in thinking that people are spying on them and and all over the place yeah nobody's okay nobody's okay it's very this movie is doing a great job of like 
kind of the same thing as Barracuda, where it's like, this is a community that's kind of falling apart. So yeah, it's like, a, it, it feels like a birthday where everybody's just putting on the face mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah. So it's a, also a bummer. Yeah. It's a, they're all bummer birthday they're parties. They're all bummer birthdays. Yeah. None of these are great birthdays. And like, yeah, and they're not our heroes. Mm-hmm. In in Happy Birthday to Me, it's Virginia's birthday. In Allison's birthday, it's it, Allison's, clearly it's literally Allison's, Allison's birthday. birthday. And they're both our heroes. In Bloody Birthday, it's these three kids. They don't deserve a birthday. No, they don't. They shouldn't have a birthday party. They're the, rotten kids. Mrs. Davis or Miss Davis I'm sorry, was right. did you say Viola Davis? Yeah, That's Viola her fucking Davis. name. That's so wild. Viola Davis, Miss Davis, was right. Yeah. They're not special. They don't deserve anything special. <laughs> Just because your birthdays are on the same year doesn't mean you're special. I love that. So pick a party. Which one are you going to? You get invites oh, to all three. Which one do you go to? Probably the corpse party because it's like no one's going to complain about the music <laughs> I put on. I think I'd pick Allison's birthday. I want to watch this You want to go ceremony. to the cult? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Again, if you're not the one being possessed by right. the demon, it's fine. I also want to include another caveat that, like, I don't want to have to chant. Oh, no. See, I don't think that's an option. I think it's like this singing happy birthday. I think you have to do it. You have to? You have to do it. <sighs> Myrna's, look, Myrna knows who chants and who doesn't. <laughs> she knows who's faking it. I just, so I went to Catholic middle school and high school, and there's nothing I find creepier than a giant crowd of people all saying the same thing at the same time and nobody really meaning it. Yeah, I mean, that's weird. It's like the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah, it's it creeps <laughs> it's fucking me out. weird. Yeah, but you have to do like, that's just what I'm talking about. I'm sure that like the people in this Myrna coven, I'm sure at least some of them are like, oh my God, I gotta <laughs> fucking, can I, can I just tell them I'm like sick or something and not go? I mean, she'll still get possessed yeah. there or not. The yeah. work gets done. <laughs> <laughs> nope, you gotta be there. Okay, if that's the case, then I choose happy birthday to me, the corpse birthday. Yeah, the corpse birthday is here easily. <laughs> I mean, that's and, the one where you have to do the least. Yeah, exactly. As long as I'm not, it's like Amelia. She shows up at the end and then, like, with a, I think she even has a present in the rain and then she just doesn't go into the party or something. Mm-hmm. It's so unclear what's going on there. But, like, yeah, if I were Amelia and I just show up to this thing, I'd be like, well, this is awkward, but there's cake. <laughs> Here's your gift. Happy yeah, birthday. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not being murdered. Right. You know, I'm not being framed for murder. So it's fine for me. Because, yeah, bloody birthday, it's like, ugh. there's none of those people are dead. So they're all being dramatic. Yeah. And for that one, you also have to put on a face. You also have to show up and perform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. I don't know. Like, I just don't want to hang out with anybody there. When Debbie's mom, Mrs. Brody, starts like when she she's like there's one person who couldn't be here this year and it's like oh Oh, god God. here we go yeah right somebody get her inside i mean but in all fairness to fucking mrs brody that was less than a week after the sheriff died like it hadn't been a week so you know she's very much not okay no she's so not okay she shouldn't be having that party no the decision to still have that party is it's wild yeah you know your birthday's bleak when people would rather be at a birthday full of corpses than at your birthday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You want to talk about these social groups? You know, the Crawford Academy, you have the top 10. Yeah. There isn't really a social group in Allison's birthday. What are you talking about? There is a cult. Well, besides that the cult. That is a social group. <laughs> 
Okay, sure. Like yeah, the thing close. is, is that the social group in Allison's birthday and the social group in Bloody Birthday, obviously, were in Bloody Birthday. We're talking about the three murder kids. Yeah, like they're a very tight knit little family. They're a trio. They're the three musketeers. Yeah, and that we see the dynamics of that in Happy Birthday to me. You know, it's our ostensibly our protagonists that are in the social group. That is not the case in Bloody Birthday or Allison's birthday. In Allison's birthday, we don't really know. We don't learn much about Allison's social life outside of her boyfriend and the women at the record store she works with. Mm. That's really all we get. Who all seem very cool. Yeah, they seem great. Yeah. But, you know, this cult, we don't... I mean, outside of Aunt Jenny and Uncle Dean. And the fact that they all kind of like, you know, when they are when they get Peter at the cemetery and in the, you know, the chanting scenes... We get that they like they all have a position, you know. They all they all have a thing that they do. There's also no obvious infighting among them or disagreements among them. No, they all are very much on the same page. Yeah, there's never a disagreement between any member of that cult. Cause they well, cause you know it's kind of the thing about cults. You have a common purpose. <laughs> you have a you have a thing you're all into. Mm-hmm. But they're just very organized about it. They're very yeah. on the same page, you know. There's no ex-member outside trying to, you know, have like a tell-all documentary about them. (laughs) Yeah, there's no, there's no uh, Leah Ramini's. (laughs) There's no Paul Haggis's. So it's, it's that kind of a, it's that kind of order to the group. But in Bloody Birthday, we kind of see when the kids sort of like, they, they all have a common thing. You know, they function really well. Mm -hmm. When they're playing hide and seek, they get a little bit, you know, because they're kids. Kids are going to argue sometimes. When Stephen can't open the door and he's like, ah, Curtis gizmoed it. And she's like, you don't even know what gizmo means. <laughs> Which is like, okay, fair. I mean, I don't know the etymology of that word either. Yeah, and then when she kills Beverly without them, and they're like, what the what the heck? Mm-hmm. And we see them work together. Yeah. We see them. I mean, the kill of the sheriff is like solid teamwork. <laughs> yeah, when she's they one thing I love about this movie and these kill these kids is that we see them fail. We see their plans go wrong and we see how they try to adapt to it. Yep. And like we see, almost every time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean they, they try to kill Timmy like four times yeah. and they fuck up every time. And they try to kill Joyce at least three times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We see them make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And and lose some opportunities. I love the scene where Timmy comes up to the treehouse with Debbie. And we see her thinking about shoving him off onto the thing. Not just thinking, she's about to. She's about to do it, yeah. But then the phone rings and it distracts her just long enough for him to flip around. Yeah. It's so great. Mm-hmm. They're, so, they're so interesting. Yeah, so we see them when they kill the sheriff. <laughs> and, and it's only when she sees that Timmy has seen them that she's like, Mom, Daddy fell. Well, they were setting the body up Yeah, yeah. for that. It's just that she had to rush it. When they get rid of Beverly's body, that's so great. Yep. That whole that whole scene. And she's like, I'm just cleaning up nail yeah, polish. We, we see them do that with uh yeah, I'm just I spilled some nail polish with Miss Davis's body too. It's the psycho thing where you see Norman Bates afterwards getting rid of the bodies. Like we see that multiple times with these kids. Going back to Allison's birthday really quick, I do love this like when Pete comes with a with a with a Jeep towards the end. 
he's coming to save the day and he stops and he gets out and he sees those two guys coming at him and we see him make that decision to be like all right and he gets back in the jeep and drives up like i love stuff like that in movies where you see like characters making decisions yeah. because you know things are their plans are it's like at the end of piranha with paul where he's just like go 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 i'll think of something on the way it's sort of like what Pete is doing at the end of Allison's birthday. And honestly, that's what Joyce and Timmy are doing at the end of Bloody Birthday. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. Once they're, they're, when they're locked in the house, it's just, and that's all it is. It's just like oh, figuring it out as they go. They have no plan it's whatsoever. So great. It's so great how they do all that. Well, and also it's the, the kids themselves are doing it too. Yeah. You know, the three kids. It's like this, like, it's a battle. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Well, they, they, you see that in the junkyard scene too with the car. Mm hmm. Which I got I fucking love that scene. Like it feels, it's really intense. It's like genuinely kind of frightening. Yeah. Yeah. Cause each time you're like, bitch, do this, get out of the way. <laughs> she does. Yeah. And it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. Keep yeah. Coming back. You yeah. Know? There's nowhere for her to go. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. It does a really great job of making these kids seem kind of believable. And then the social group and happy birthday to me, these top 10, these kids, it's so weird. Okay, here's what I love about Happy Birthday to Me, Yeah, one of the many things, mm-hmm. is that these top 10 have very complex dynamics. Yeah. You know, <laughs> each of them have different thoughts and feelings and relationships with each one of the other. And the film doesn't dive into it, but it definitely suggests, you know, that they all have different standings with each other and feelings about each other. It's also uncertain. And it, and it lends itself to this idea, too, of, again... Are these people actually friends? Do they actually like each other? Do they care about each other? It seems like they're all just kind of following this like path yeah. at each other. And nobody's really in charge. No. And nobody's really dictating any of these relationships. It's almost just like very id-driven, right? Like even people just falling in and out of these relationships like you see with... Uh, is well, it- well, the thing with Rudy and Steven and Maggie yeah. is so weird. Because it's also like, wait, if Rudy into Virginia... But then Steve ends up with Virginia. Yeah, Steve and... Yeah, but after he's already been with Maggie, like, they leave the dance together. And again, that's not Virginia. It's Anne. It's Anne, yeah. But it's so interesting. Because it feels... It's the kind of thing that in a movie, most of the time you see this and you're like, this is... They're all uncertain about each other. It all seems like nonsense. It doesn't seem to like have any, but it's also then you think about it and you're like, wow, these characters are all kind of shitty people raised by shitty parents. And the movie does a good job at foregrounding how shitty these parents are, that it, it does feel genuine. Like it almost feels more realistic mm-hmm. because it's all fucking chaos. Right. And it's all like the guys, especially they're all creeps. They're all entitled creeps. They're all quick to anger. They all like, threaten people with violence (laughs) you know at least once they overreact to things they all seem to hate alfred Mm -hmm. but they still hang out with him i don't know it's it's bizarre yeah well and i think that goes back to what i was saying about this being the antithesis of jaws 2 yeah where it's like a group of people forced together by circumstance but in jaws 2 it's because of their need that it brings them together to actually want to function as a, a, a group, whereas this, because of their privilege, it makes them completely uncertain about how they function together as a group. Mm-hmm. And and so the dynamics are constantly changing. Yeah. And nobody is on sure footing with each other. Well, and they also just, like, don't have much characterization beyond 
those weird little interpersonal dramas and, and outbursts, you know, aside from like, okay, so Steve's the, the guy that bets on everything. Mm-hmm. Etienne is a, into motorcycles and also is a creep. I mean, again, all of the guys are creeps. Right. Etienne probably a little more so than the others. He breaks into Virginia's home and steals a pair of her underwear. Alfred's the makeup artist guy and taxidermist. Greg is into weightlifting. Rudy is, he plays soccer. And then the girls, I don't know. It's like, who are, Amelia's into, they're, they're, they're just there to be dating. And then Anne, who's there to be Virginia's closest friend, but also is, you know, the killer. Yeah. There's something about the fact that their characterizations are so superficial that kind of feels like a class commentary. You know, like you say, oh, in I mean, that's kind of what I'm what just, saying. Yeah, what you're yeah. saying, but but not just as a group, but like individually as well. The fact that they just seem to not—they don't know who they are. Like so, they have to find level. one thing to define themselves, and you know, because of their privilege, they can have it be whatever the fuck they want, and it has no consequence. Yeah. But there's times where Virginia, well, we know the stuff she says to her mother, right? When she's like, "Oh, they're 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 my friends now. You like them?" It. It's, it all seems so hollow. You know, all of that stuff about, I like my friends, mom, you'd like them. I'm friends with those people that you, that's part of it too. Well, I would actually read that as Virginia's trauma response to how her mother died. Well, yeah. You know, because if, if she makes friends with these people who didn't show up to her party and they're actually friends now and they would show up to her party now, then like somehow that makes up for the fact, you know, that her mother died because of this. It's almost like she dissociates when she says it. Oh, for sure. And that's because it's part of her trauma response. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, again, as a social group, it's like just as fucked up and toxic as the cult and the the trio of killer. Well, maybe not. I'd as- say it's more toxic than either of those. <laughs> really? The, the- well, because it's normalized. <laughs> well, the, the cult trio of kids, they're all on the same page, you know? Well, They're at least until, trying to work together. Until Debbie sells them both out. Well, I mean, you <laughs> yeah. know, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, true. That's that's about survival, really. Yeah. And the cult, again, they're all working together. Both those groups function a lot healthier than the <laughs> social group and happy birthday to me. Hell, the cult and Allison's birthday succeed, so they're at least doing something right. Uh, that's true. They get what they want. The only one who gets what they want and happy birthday to me is Anne, and she dies doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Also, it's just interesting how these are all kind of like Joyce's whole thing about I don't want like the fact that these these murders are putting life into perspective for her. Mm-hmm. And she has that whole thing where she's like, I'm not going to college. Like, I just want to live. I want to like I want to be a journalist and you can't do that by going to classes. I just love that. Yeah, I love Joyce. I love all of these girls. All of these heroines, all of these protagonists are just fantastic. Joyce Allison and Virginia. Joyce Allison and Virginia. They're all three great. And Allison and Pete are just adorable. They're great. I, ju- I love them. They're just the best couple. Yeah. Pete's whole thing is because she's not doing okay. And so he's like looking into it to try and help her. Mm-hmm. It's ah, he's the best. But they're all like all three of these girls are, are fantastic. And everything that's going on with them is great. Even Virginia, she's fucked up. Yeah. And things are. I talk a lot about Alice in Friday the 13th being like such a tragic final girl because of what happens to her. Ginny is the most fucked over final girl in slasher movie history, probably. Yeah. Like what happens to her is just like cosmically cruel. Alice 
has a quick end. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 And then of course, I mean, what happens to Allison is pretty great. It's pretty terrible too, but it's terrible, but it's, it's not as brutal as no. Jenny, but there are characters in at least two of these movies that I feel need to get a lot more attention. And they are, and they are in happy birthday to me, Estelle, Sharon Acker as Estelle Wainwright, Jenny's mom. Oh yeah. Holy shit. She has issues. She is she, that actress is just getting all the juice out of this role mm-hmm. in the the short amount of time that she's in it. She's oh my god. Yeah, I love that scene when she's at the gate. Oh yeah, <laughs> and even the birthday scene, like just the build up to her breakdown. Yeah, yeah, where yeah. she's on the phone with her dad, where Virginia's on the phone with her dad, and she's like, "Why did you lie to your father? No one's here." And then when she's drinking in the car after leaving the, the gate, uh, it's all so fucking intense. Mm-hmm. And she's just doing a great job. But in And then in Bloody Birthday, we've got Timmy, who I love. He's yeah. so resourceful. He's, he's just great. When he busts himself out of the refrigerator. Right. Yeah. But he's also just a kid. You know, and I yeah. kind of love those moments. Like, I love that he still... You know, he goes back to school and he beats the crap out of Curtis. Oh my God, when he beats up Curtis is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it is. But he, yeah, he's just like being a kid, you know? Yeah. And then Allison's birthday, I I love Pete's dad. Yeah. <laughs> I just think he's, it's a cardboard cutout. Like, he's so quick and snappy with the retorts when they have their little banter. I don't know. If those I mean, are mine. Minus the fact that he sucks as a father. I don't know. Here, here's the thing Does he suck as a father? Maybe. But he did something right because Pete rules. Pete's great, yeah. Like Pete turned out okay. I mean, but if you're getting psychological about it, I would imagine that Pete's intense care for Allison probably comes from growing up in an environment where there seems to be this intense lack of care. So there's this overcompensation, which might explain why Pete keeps pushing and pushing even when all the signs point to him, you know, like trying to not be a part of it. And I appreciate that about him, but I feel like definitely his father's lack of parenthood probably helped cause Well, that. but it could be a thing of where it's like, because he doesn't seem to have an adversarial relationship with his father. No. So he definitely, I don't know if I'd say he's a shitty father. I don't know. I don't think you get somebody as well-rounded as Pete if you don't do at least something right. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> that is a fair statement. I don't know, there's just great characters. There's tons of great characters in all the movies, like Annie and Duke at the beginning of Bloody Birthday, who are our stinger, our slasher stinger couple. They're the... The Barry and Claudette. They're the Barry and Claudette of Bloody Birthday because they're ma- it's so gr- they're making out in a cemetery, which is already awesome. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, what if somebody sees us? So they go into an open grave to fuck, like a freshly dug grave. I also really love Duke's game. Do you want to play ambulance? Oh, ambulance. Yeah. <laughs> you just say red light when I've gone too far. And then when she says red light, he says, I don't remember an ambulance stopping for a red light. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> that is a violation of consent. Yeah. But what a charming way to do that. <laughs> Most charming way to violate consent ever. Yeah. Like, if I believed for a second that he meant it, it would be like, okay, this is a problem. For but sure. You, you know, you, you're But fun. he's just trying to be cute. Yeah. And he's cute. It, he it works. He's adorable. All right. I think that we've said enough about these movies, don't you, Andy? 
I, we have celebrated our birthdays. Yeah. I feel good about it. Yeah. Handy. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. You know that I used to live across this the street from this school where they shot Bloody Birthday? Nice. The elementary school, Thomas Jefferson Elementary. Lived right across the street from it. Cool. You've seen that school. Probably. Yeah. My old neighborhood, Glendale. Pretty cool. Cool, cool. <laughs> well, next we are covering... Oh, my God. Summer of the Wolf. It's the Summer of the Wolf, baby. The dog days of summer. And we're howling. Yep. And until then, bye, good luck. You've obviously done your homework, which, of course, is the reason you have to die. Does anyone know what the word murder means? <laughs> Come along, Winston. Give mommy head. Pizza delivery here. I got one order with anchovies. <laughs> anchovies. The bell does not mean you are dismissed. It is only a signal for me to dismiss you. Bye, good luck. TTFN. <laughs>